We need to go to the bullpen. Welcome baseball fans to the latest episode of the Highland Bullpen. Now the end of the regular season is coming up faster than Trey Turner rounding second base. So we've got some fantastic stuff to talk about this week as our teams have differing, differing ambitions for the last four weeks of the regular season. Now, we'll start off with Yorkshire Dave, whose Boston Red Sox have had an up-and-down season so far and, and has it largely been an up-and-down week for the Red Sox over the past seven days, Dave? Yeah, well, um, August, um, you know, the whole month of August is going to be the first month this season that Boston will end up with a, a losing record. You know, they had a great start to the season, April 17 and 10, May 15 and 11, I've got my numbers right, June 18 and 10. Then I think it was in July, just either side of the All-Star break when things started, you know, not going vastly awry, but uh, July they managed to uh, have a winning month 13, 12. But this month it's going to be, despite winning the last three series, um, they're definitely going to end up um, in a, under 500 for August because I think they're 12 and 15 now, one game to go. Um, but that's against the uh, rampant Rays. Um, so there's possibly reasons for it. I think, you know, if you go to the forums and some of the podcasts mentioned before, you know, the Boston fans really get ripped into the team, the owners and Heim Bloom, the, you know, who's, in, who's kind of in charge of uh, recruitment. So they didn't really do enough in the trade. But actually, Schwarber's hitting really well. Um, the two guys they got the bullpen, I'm not sure about them, but they're missing the poor lad, Renfro, who's um, he's out on bereavement leave. He's already missed three or four games. I don't think he's going to be back. For, I think they've suggested maybe he might be out for a week, seven days. You know, he's, you know, we won't go into details, but um, so that, that's, that's been terrible for him. And he's been really, really good, both in the field and hitting. Plus, they've been hit by COVID. They've been relatively uh, lucky this season. They've missed out on that. And um, well, we'll know from our own uh, fantasy league team because we had... We've got Hunter Renfro in there. Kiki Hernandez uh, picked up uh, COVID and had symptoms. So he had to stay behind. I think it was in Toronto. So he had to stay behind there for at least 10 days. So he will be out. And just the other day, the, the bullpen was already suffering a bit um, for, for various reasons. And uh, there's, there's one or two other guys in there, including the all-star closer, Barnes, who's contracted or tested uh, positive for COVID. So they're out. So they've been struggling. Um, but despite all this, putting the positive, you've got to be positive, haven't you? Um, despite all this, Boston, they do remain in the, the second wildcard spot. I think the two games um, above Oakland A. And in fact, despite the fact that uh, the Yankees have had one of their streets in their history you know didn't they just didn't they win 13 straight something like that they're actually only two games behind them but you know they've got another three games in Tampa uh, to get over the play them again at home and 
they're looking good, Tampa, you know, really um, outstanding all-round team. I think I think they've just have they not scored more runs than anyone else in, in Major League Baseball just now, probably by one or two runs over the, the Astros. Their starting pitching is pretty good. You know, they do things really well there. And the guy who was pitching last night, 21-year-old, I think they got in a prospect in a trade uh, when they traded Blake Snell. And this is what they do. They bring a guy in, they spot something in him, and he was absolutely superb. And their bullpen, we all know the value of a good bullpen, don't we, lads? <laughs> you know, is that, that's possibly one of their best, but their, their hitting is... Is fantastic, especially against the Red Sox, by, by the way. So, uh, yeah, good luck to them. And um, Boston is still in it, you know. It's only, what, about 30 games to go. But um, they need to sort of settle their team up as best they can, you know, with missing these two guys, um, two important guys in their, in their lineup, have been all season, and the latest uh, problems with the bullpen. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Both in terms of the Rays have been a real standout before we came on here, myself and Dave Jr. We're talking about them as well as being you know, the most impressive outfit there. But yeah, yeah, the Red Sox have had their, their slump, if you like. They seem to have steadied the ship a little bit, it looks like, over the last little period of time. Yeah, yeah. Dave, I think. Yeah, they won that. I think Cora said, you know, he acknowledged that they've... Um, you know, they've got swept by the Yankees, which uh, never never goes down uh, well with the Red Sox nation, but especially when, you know, they were always, the, you know, the direct opponents in that division. Um, but this time it's for the wild card, really. The Rays are going to end up with that, aren't they? You know, they're quite clear. Um, but um, since then, he said, what we need to do is win series. And they did that. But, um, you know, whether they'll be able to, well, it's unlikely that they're going to be, unless they win the next three games against Tampa, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be tough. It could be a really exciting finish to your season there, because I think one of your last, kind of the last week of the regular season for the Red Sox starts off with you, with you taking on the Yankees in a three-game series. And if it keeps as tight as it is just now, that could be absolutely crucial, that three-game series starting on the 25th of September. So, yeah, it's still all to play for for the Red Sox, Dave. And, and I guess at the start of this season, I know you had worries about the pitching in some other areas as well. So would you probably have accepted being in this position back then? Yeah, at the moment, they're in the playoffs, aren't they? And, um, yeah, that, that series of <laughs> Fenway is, is going to... In fact, they finish... Um, after that, if they're still in contention, their last six games are against three games away in the, to Baltimore and three games at Washington. I think I mentioned this before. You know, it may be, you know, I've got an eye on that thinking, well, they, they should be, they should be able to finish well. Um, so, I mean, Baltimore, did, was I hearing right last night that the Tampa Bay Rays got a fantastic record against teams in their own division, which always helps. But I think they're 18 and one this season against the Orioles. Wow. Which, um, you know, that's pretty. That'll do it. That will certainly help you get to a good, help you get to a good record. And 
I guess from my Mariners perspective as well, maybe kind of, I don't want to say our luck has finally run out because that suggests some of these hard-fought victories have been down to luck, but a lot of the close games that we were edging, you know, we went through that spell where winning nine out of ten games, when it, when, it, when it came down to games that were settled by just one run, the Mariners won nine out of ten, you know, we were the kings of the, the close games. Yeah. Uh, that's changed over the last week or so, and I fear that my... Uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown football comparison is coming exactly true because we've started to drop games by a single run. You know, the, the Royals edged us out. The Astros did it today by a single run. And even the other ones, like the, the, the Royals beat us a couple of times by two runs as well. These close games that the Mariners were maybe padding out their win record with early in the season are starting to, to go in the other direction. Uh, and we've got quite a lot of games coming up against the Astros as well. Uh, who've obviously been a form a form team as well and, and kind of division rivals and the 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 Oakland A's as well looming large for the Mariners. So I think our season is in danger of petering out to some extent. But you know it's you know we're talking there about the Red Sox and would you have settled for this? And I'm confident the Mariners will have a winning season that they'll break 500 for the season and probably be substantially above that. And I would probably have taken that at the start of this season because I think we are in the middle of a, a building phase. Oh, definitely a positive um, for the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, I think it's quite similar to the, the Red Sox, you know, winning a lot of close games. But, you know, we, we've talked about this many times. Baseball, they play so often and there's so many things that happen and can, they can go for you or they can go against you. And, uh, you know, when you win in these close games, quite often the difference between winning and losing is, you know, a, a blue uh, single in, in your favour that scores a guy or, you know, a 50-50 call that um, just goes your way. And then, you know, all of a sudden you start losing those close games being the same with the Red Sox. But I would say... From what happen, has happened to, to the Red Sox in the last couple of seasons, this is a, an improvement, and, and definitely for Seattle, they're on the way up, aren't they? You can see that. Yeah, no, that, that's that's the way I look at it as well. And tell you what, there's a kind of pleasing symmetry to to how our teams are performing here because the three of us, and I should point out that our, our esteemed bullpen bro Alan is celebrating his birthday today which is why he's not joining us just now. We hope Alan will be toasting his birthday and we won't give away the age. Uh, but yeah, well, we hope he's having a fantastic one and we look forward to welcoming him back to, to captain the ship next week. But our three teams, so the the, the Mariners have, have finally given up hope. I've accepted that those kind of outside hopes of a wild card have, have bitten the dust. Yorkshire Dave's Boston Red Sox are firmly in the mix to make it through to the postseason, but it's still all to play for. And yourself, Dave Jr., can sit back, relax, get the cigar out because your White Sox have been guaranteed that kind of top of the table position for, for quite a while now. Good evening. There's still, there's absolutely still a lot to play for, Richard. Uh, I know that might seem a cliche, but uh, and so just getting back again, happy birthday to Alan. Like you said, we won't disclose his age, but it's not too different from the Tampa Bay run differential for the season. Let's just say that. 
so, you know, I mean, the way things are going with the White Sox, yes, the league should be tied up. I think it might be the strongest league across any of the divisions. Um, you've got to keep going, though, because you, you, know, you could lose 10 games uh, in the space of two weeks, um, the way things go, a few injuries. So you've got to keep things going. We should be OK. Um, it's really a case of just now positioning and jockeying ourselves as best we can for the playoff position. And I think, um, not to give it away, but we're one month away until the end of the season. And I'm sure that over the next week or two, uh, between the four of us, we'll be able to start to flesh out that post-season look a little bit more. Not just uh, learn about the playoff rules, but we'll try and explain them to, to our listeners as well. Uh, and just which teams are going to slot in at which point. And, uh, at the moment, as you said, the Mariners look as if they're ducking out a wee bit, but I'd be confident it'd be nice to see Dave's uh, Boston involved, even if it's uh, as a wild card entry just now. Uh, but talking about that division, um, in the last week, I think the White Sox have helped push Toronto back and maybe vanquish them from the from the run-in a little bit to help, to help Boston. Uh, and again, sadly, it's a wee bit too late for the Mariners, but uh, we went up to Toronto and I really, uh, there's, they're a team a bit like yourself, Richard, perhaps a little bit further down the line in terms of development. They've got a great young team. Some, you know, Vlad Guerrero is just an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, I, uh, he just seems like a really good young man as well. <laughs> he doesn't seem like one of those little nyafs in football that you, you don't really care for. He just seems like a, a real good guy. Uh, a lot of these baseball players actually seem pretty level-headed, if I'm being honest. Um, and we've also got uh, the lad Simeon really uh, intrigues me for, for Toronto as well. I'm sure there's another big name. Oh, um, is it Bo Bichette? He's with Toronto. Uh, and again, they've got some really good names, but I was pleased to come away from Canada uh, with a share of the four games. Uh, that worked out quite well uh, before we rolled on to a crosstown series against their old rivals, the Cubs. So a few weeks ago, we went over to their bit uh, and you know, absolutely panned them 3-0 across the three games, which would be similar to Rangers or Celtic uh, going across the city and kind of winning every uh, every old firm game that season. So Cubs were coming over to guaranteed rate for a bit of revenge. And I, I tell you what, any fans that picked up tickets to, to that series over the weekend must have an absolute treat. So the White Sox came away 2-1 winners, uh, which means that 5-1 overall over the six games and they win the Chicago Crosstown Cup, which, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> you get two of the 30 teams playing for it every year, so there's not really much opportunity for other teams to pick that up. But it must be a nice thing, maybe if you work alongside a cubby and, and your, your work in Chicago and you can lord it up over them for the year, that might be the only um, the, the, the only real outcome there. Um, sorry, Richard. No, I was going to say, I mean, you know, we all love a fierce sporting rivalry. I mean, the city that I'm in just now, uh, Glasgow, is famed for winning the world of soccer, but it was getting a little bit heated, a little bit feisty in the stands there at the weekend. I noticed Dave Jr., there was quite a lot of footage emerged, as there often is these days. You can't hide, get away with anything or hide anything of some scrapping in the stands between the, the Cubs and the White Sox fans. And I wonder if that was maybe just, as you say, it's been a fairly fairly one-sided season to date mm-hmm. and, a, and a, an old-fashioned shellacking at the weekend. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not something I've ever really seen in my limited experience of baseball games. And I wonder if either of you two 
had ever seen any kind of stuff turning physical at baseball games you've been at? I've been led to believe it's a, a reasonably friendly rivalry between the, the two teams, and perhaps it's because uh, in recent years there doesn't seem to be that much of a rivalry, sporting anyway. Um, and I, I, I believe that the Chicago natives supported the Cubs during their World Series win to an extent. Uh, and likewise, I think back in 2005, the Cubs might have supported, you know, again, a little bit reluctantly, but seeing the White Sox do well, I think they're quite, they're big in their sports in, in America. And um, I think they would perhaps rather see your neighbours do it than someone across the road. Um, the only one that really sticks out, and it is leading on nicely to, to, to Dave, to me, the big sporting rivalry in, in baseball does seem to be uh, between Boston and, and the Yankees. So that, that's the one that seems to me that's always a little bit of niggle. I mean, there seems to be niggle amongst all the teams to a certain degree, but the one that really gets for fans looks to me like it is with, uh, with Boston and New York. Would, would you agree, Dave? Yeah, and until um, recently, until this century, really, you know, it was a, it was a rivalry, but... Um, Boston are always have always been competitive, but they obviously went that eighty odd years without a World Series win. Whereas the, the Yankees, uh, you know, as everyone knows, they they've got something like thirty plus, I'm like twenty seven, is it something like that? Uh, I'd need to look it up. But so yeah, the rivalry is real, and it's and it's it's heightened. I've never been to a Red Sox Yankees game. But, um, you know, I would imagine it's pretty, pretty feisty. Although I don't think you get sort of uh, busloads of fans going over in the same way or a, or a baseball special like you used to do in the, in the 1970s. A train arrives and uh, it's duly wrecked and 2,000 Leeds United fans get off at Old Trafford and there's a big punch-up. But, you know, America's... Uh, big city a big a big place isn't it and Red Sox fans are all over Yankees fans are all over so there's always some opposition fans in there and you might be pockets of them and occasionally you'll get you know the first game I ever went I ever went to wasn't a sellout by any means but it was at Fenway Park and I just heard somebody shout hey quite early on in the proceedings hey there's a brawl not a fight or a scrap or a rammy you know, but a brawl, which was good in itself. And it, it, I think it was just a localised flare-up where Guy maybe said the wrong thing to, you know, surrounded by the wrong guy and it ended up in a bit of a fight. But I've never seen really sort of, you know, fights like we used to have in the 70s and 80s here in the stands, which seemingly happened, you know, in the Chicago game. What, what, what do they call it? I know it's a Subway series in... In New York, but is there? Does it have a name? You know what? Sure. Sorry, Dave Junior. Oh, I'm just going to say, I'm not too sure, David. I I seem to remember that when we had uh, our friend on from Chicago a few months ago, he did mention that there was a name for the series, but I'd be lying if I said it, it, it came to me off the top of my head. Um, uh, Richard, are you, can you yeah. remember? Oh, well, all I was going to say was you did create a great opportunity there. I would recommend listeners to check out that episode. It was episode six of season two, where we caught up with Matt Zosawaski from the excellent Pinwheels and Ivy 
baseball podcast from Chicago. And Zoe did talk to us about how it was a fierce rivalry. But yeah, you're recalling that quite right, Yorkshire Dave. He did also say that reluctantly, with a, with a heavy heart, they do tend to support each other when it comes to, you know, the major major opportunities, the World Series, for example, they put their loyalty to their city ahead of their loyalty to the team. But, you know, a, a proper sporting town, Chicago. And I do wonder, Yorkshire Dave, what separates a fight from a brawl? See, to me, a fight's got a certain more, I'd expect some fairly tasty guys that know what they're up to, whereas brawl, I can imagine big mist, haymakers, beer, plastic beer glasses flying, etc. that kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a uh, uh, defined, proper uh, jabs followed by a you know a nice uppercut. It was just like two two or three guys just grabbing each other and trying to get at each other, and then somebody, a friend, pulling him off. Uh, uh, pardon me, um, <laughs> trying to separate them, shall I say? And uh, yeah. It, it it wasn't particularly serious, and it was far far enough away. For I, you know, I I was at a, the only NFL game I've ever been to was around about the same time, mid nineties, and that was a Seahawks at Foxborough against uh, New New England um, Patriots, and it was uh, it was billed as two the two great young quarterbacks playing, but there was a there was a disturbance behind us. Right, and it was getting to the point where there probably was a punch thrown. Next thing you know, there's you know an off police officer there, and it looks around and he's got his hand on it on his gun. Right, so that's the point at which the fight definitely stopped. And I'm not advocating uh, you know our police taking guns into uh, you know our sports venues, but. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a sobering uh, moment. Yeah. One thing I did spot in the footage from that, you know, that brawl in the stands in Chicago at Guaranteed Rate Field was, A, the bit I saw I think was provoked by a, a female fan celebrating in fairly ostentatious fashion. Uh, and I think that I had the look of something that had probably been building up during the, the game, to be honest with you. But what struck me there, as it often does when I lament the world of social media, apart from the, the excellent Highland podcast, our Twitter and our other social media accounts, which are well worth following. But in general, social media has led to this thing where you get 10 people, 20 people got their phones out recording this scrap mm. instead of anyone actually thinking, you know what, this is a game, this is a sport, let's just help sort these idiots out and grab one off the other. You know what I mean? There's a bit of that. But maybe am I just getting... Old and bitter, uh, Dave Junior. Did I start out young and bitter, perhaps? No, I know exactly what you mean, Richard. It's, it's the same. I know it's changing tact, but it's the same at concerts now. Whenever you see people, everyone for the first 10, 15, 20 rows of, of standing folk, everyone's got their phone out. You know, nobody ever watches them back anyway. They just seem to send them to friends who get annoyed that you know they're suddenly seeing some clunky video of, of a song, really badly sung. Um, when they'd rather listen to the album version, but no, just put your phone away. Leave them, leave them at the door. Leave them in your jacket. And if you're there to enjoy a spectacle, enjoy it. Uh, and if you'll allow me to to kind of pick up there about enjoying the spectacle, the the three games between the two Chicago clubs were out of this world. 
So I managed to catch the, the two that I did watch were the two White Sox wins. Uh, and the first night you had after one inning, sorry, half an inning, with the, the Cubs being the the visiting team, the Cubs batted first and were six zero up. Um, at which point our starting pitcher was taken out of the game, Dallas Keitel, a World Series winner, got a ring on his finger, and he was taken out after one inning um, because the White Sox found themselves 6 0 down. And we went on to win the game 17 13. So, uh, I mean, there's some other great stats in that game. The, the guy that came in to replace Dallas um, actually set a record in the MLB. So he was the first relief pitcher to come in and throw five innings without giving any runs up. So he left the game, you know, came in as a relief pitcher, pitched five innings, which is some going. Um, and he's the first guy to do it since 1917, uh, which was really quite interesting. I think he had six or seven or eight strikeouts as well, which, uh, again, a bit of a record for a, a relief pitcher over that duration. At the same point, you had the returning catcher, who uh, I think Richard's going to, or actually Dave might be speaking about later on when we're rounding up the fantasy fantasy baseball segment. But Yasmani Grandal made his comeback after a few months out. And uh, Alan and I were um, sharing a bit of chat. Alan came over to my house during the week for an hour and we're talking about all things baseball. And I said, well, Grandal, it's his first night back. You might not want to put him back in the lineup. Could be a bit rusty. So Grandal, of course, came in that night and batted in two home runs, eight RBI to set, sorry, to tie a club record uh, and absolutely decimated things on a, a fantasy points basis. So he was the absolute star man of the night. Uh, leading on to night two, where Lance Lynn was pitching for the White Sox. And for anyone that doesn't know Lance Lynn, we've spoken about him before, an all-star for the White Sox. I think he's he was leading the American League for uh, ERA. I think things have tailed off a wee bit after this game. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn, he's the type of guy, Google him, uh, he's he's basically who your dad's favourite baseball player would be. He's just you know, a man's man. He's a big burly bear of a man. Doesn't take any nonsense. Um, he'd be the guy that your dad says he's a he's a proper baseball man. Um, but the White Sox went on to lose that 7-0, which is remarkable. The night after scoring 17 runs, there's a shutout at home, which is crazy. Uh, and then the next night, completely flipped back and the White Sox took that 13-1 uh, with home runs galore. Uh, and again, Eloy Jimenez has an absolute habit of coming back to bite the Cubs and the bum who he was traded from. I think he's played something like 12 games against the Cubs now, and he's, he's knocked in 12 runs. He's he's hit six homers, all sorts of crazy stats from Eloy. Uh, but he's a, he's a good guy as well, making his comeback. Um, uh, and that sort of tied off the series for the White Sox and just to bring it full circle to talk about fans something that I noticed during the game more and more you notice you know fans aren't really segregated when it comes to baseball dotted all amongst the park and I think it's really quite telling you get a White Sox guy smashing a home run in and a Cubs fan will catch the ball and be over the moon you can see from the shirt who supports you know, the other way about you could have a, a Cubby smashing a home run and a White Sox fan catches it, and it's an absolute memento. You can't really imagine that in the world of football, where 
Alfredo Morelos scores for Rangers, kicks a ball into the crowd, and a Celtic fan puts the ball up his jersey and thinks, I'm taking that home. That's a hell of a memento there. Um, it just doesn't work that way. But baseball, again, it's, it's a, they just do things differently in America. They do indeed. Unfortunately, some of us look like we're hiding a football or two up our jumper all the time naturally. Dave Jr., but I agree that would be a, a fairly unique memento and not something you'd see on our side of the pond. Uh, definitely there. And and I guess looking at that, MLB have recently announced that the, the postseason schedule as well. So we can we can all of us, but particularly those and both your teams fall into this category, we can still dream of appearing at the, the fall classic. We can all begin looking forward to the, the World Series now as well. And it's uh, yeah, there's the potential for tiebreaker games. I don't know why that hadn't occurred to me, but of course, uh, they would take place immediately after the, the regular season concludes on Sunday, October the 3rd. Uh, any tiebreakers would be played on the, on the 4th or would, would begin on the 4th. But I, yeah, I don't know why that didn't occur to me. Obviously, if teams finish with identical records, they don't go to away runs or whatever, the equivalent of away goals in football, which we don't even do anymore. Uh, so it's interesting that they go directly to you take each other on rather than going to total runs or anything like that. Is that for the um, wildcard spot? So. Yeah, well, I think it'd be for tiebreakers to get into the the, the postseason, I think. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yes, you're right. Yes, no, you're entirely right. It's for yeah, those, those tiebreakers. So if teams finish with identical... I don't know, like, uh, sort of test my primary five level arithmetic here, but if two three teams finished 84, 76 yeah. in the season, yeah, that's the, yeah. So the, it happened that once, you know, that's where we get our sort of uh, one of our taglines from one of the Scott, uh, the Scots heard around the world, you know, going back to the 50s um, when there was a 16 team MLB. And it would just be eight, you know, eight in the AL, eight in the National League. And the top two fought it out for the World Series. That was the post-series, if I'm remembering that correctly. And then one series, I think it was, you know, around about the 50s, it was the Yankees who were in there for the AL, representing the AL pretty much every year. And then it was a sort of a scrap, it was a whole New York affair, really. In the National League, it was a scrap between the Giants and the Dodgers. And one one season, they did finish. It was a 154-game season then. I'm pretty sure they finished with identical records. And they went to a three, would it be a three-game playoff series? Maybe five-game. But that that was the game in which they had Bobby... Bobby Thompson, yeah. Bobby Thompson, scored yeah. the shot that uh, was heard around the world. Uh, was it a three-run homer when there were two behind or something like that? And uh, so, yeah, there's some um, fantastic history uh, behind uh, sort of these one-off games or one-off series. Absolutely, yeah. And your memory is spot on. That Bobby Thompson, baseball's most famous Scott, it was a, indeed a three-run homer at the bottom of the ninth with the Giants trailing 4-2 at the time and two runners on base. So that was, yeah, uh, always nice to, to shoehorn a reference to that into an episode of Highland Bullpen. Now, that was a kind of fantastical baseball moment. And in the modern day world of fantasy baseball, obviously the, our own Highland Bullpen is coming to the close of that 
season. And in fact, has the fantasy baseball season closed actually for us? Um, it's it's actually uh, we've got two weeks to go of the regular season. Um, so let me see if I can get this <laughs> right. Um, there's 16 teams in the UK uh, baseball podcasters league that we're the we're the Rockies this year, and so but there's a, it's a 22 week um, or 22 game regular season. So you play your 15 games, um, which we have done, and then you play. There's the sequence repeats again for the next seven. So the first seven teams that we played were playing again, and um, so last week was the uh, 20th week. So we've got yeah this week and the week after will be the two um, last weeks of the regular season. And then top six playoff. And I think the top two get a bye. And then third place plays six, fourth place fifth, and uh, so on until you get to like a, a World Series. And, you know, despite being rookies and despite what we said before about, you know, just picking uh, players from our four teams, we've done pretty well. We, we've hovered around the top six all season. Uh, dropped out of it a few times, but last week we had a 9-1 win, which took us up to fourth place. Fourth place. Uh, the only thing being that um, this week we play one of our nearest rivals, well, the seventh place team, the Yankees, and the last week I think it's T and Tops. Um, so it's not done and dusted yet. We've got a four or five game, uh, five game lead, I think, over the seventh place team. But we've had a poor start, start, you know, because it's our own teams, what I was saying recently, just uh, earlier, about uh, Renfrew and Hernandez not playing for Boston. Well, they're not playing for the high and bullpen either. And uh, Chicago had a night off last night, and they've been scoring some good points. So we were relying on uh, uh, Seattle and Detroit. Um, uh, but well, I'm, I'm sure we'll bounce back tonight. We just need to get... Yeah, if we could get um, a split with the Yankees, that would set us up nicely for the postseason. I hope we put a lot of effort into it, haven't we? You know, we, we sort of really bought into it big style. And Alan, who's enjoying his birthday day, he's been the main man behind it, the main mover and shaker in uh, in, in keeping us uh, keeping us up there. We've made quite a lot of trades, um, which I see some of the some of the other teams are definitely as active as we are, but there's quite a lot of them who probably in fairness to some of the teams down the bottom who probably picked their team and just that was it. For, that was their involvement for the rest of the season. But it's, oh. it's a reasonably well contested league and it's been great fun and it's, it's, it's good to follow. In it. I do the fancy football as well. I think it, it keeps you uh, an added interest in it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the birthday boy, Alan, deserves great credit. You know, he's a man who loves his spreadsheet and his numbers, but he's done a tremendous job. Our, our very own Joe Torre, they are getting us going up there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been an impressive debut season, I think. And particularly given, for those that don't know, that our team's consisted of players only from the Tigers, the Red Sox, the White Sox and the Mariners as well. So I think making the postseason would be a tremendous achievement. Uh, what, what would you would you agree, Dave Junior? 
definitely, definitely. I think um, I'm sure that if Alan was here, he'd be, he'd be quite honest as well and say that Dave's done more than his fair share as well. Uh, I think maybe Richard and I have took a wee bit of a back seat when it comes to contributing towards the, the, the team one anyway. I might be doing you a disservice, Richard, but it seems to be, you know, Alan, Dave, um, kind of work things between the two of them. And then if, if there's some team specifics about the White Sox or the, or the Mariners, Richard and I can can chip in. But you guys have done have done stellar, Dave. It's been been really quite good. I would never have expected in a million years to um to compete so well. And it's not just compete not just doing well, but it really is competing. Um and again it's testament to to that. But I think it's I'm sure that you both would would add in that's not been a chore by any means. I think you've more than enjoyed uh, just working out the, the different aspects of how you score and how you can perhaps do better each week. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a it's kind of a full time job, isn't it? Keeping track of what your own team does. They play every day, um, you know. And even if you just watch the highlights, the condensed version, you know, to do not just to follow what they're up to, but to be able to sort of talk reasonably, sensibly about it in, you know, in something like this, our own podcast. It's, uh, you know, that's a full-time job. But um, getting involved in the fantasy side of it is really good because, you you know, it forces you to look at other players in the teams, other, what other teams are doing, and tactics and it's you know brought in I think next season it'll be interesting doing the draft because we'll be looking at other aspects like we didn't really realize before how important guys who can steal bases are and the relief pitchers aspect you know the um, the saves and the holds uh, we do quite well uh, we're sort of starting pitcher orientated um, but you know it's, we're learning. It's a real, it's a brilliant, that Yahoo fancy, give them the due. It's absolutely amazing. It's very complex, but whoever set that up, it's, um, it's pure genius. And, you know, it's not like something like the Telegraph fantasy football thing where, you know, if you're in the league, you pretty much all end up with the same, the same players. This is a draft so that the, your team is unique to the other one. So it has, no, it's a fantasy league, but it's more realistic than others, shall we say. Yeah, I think it realistically captures the infinite variety of baseball. Dave Jr. Oh, Dave, Dave's absolutely spot on. It makes the UK fantasy football leagues look just embarrassingly inadequate when it comes to stats. This is just thousands upon thousands of players, positions, games, I mean, they must have an entire team at Yahoo working on this, um, you know, some size of office, because not only does it give you all your stats and it kind of break them down historically, it'll project based on who those opponents are. You know, what, what, you know, what is Richard Pigeon going to score over the next seven days? Because he's going to come up against, you know, this team and that team. But uh, again, his stats show that Richard's really good against left-hand pitchers, but he's not so good against right-hand. And the projected pitchers for those teams are, are A and B. And how they how they come up with these stats uh, on an individual basis throughout. I mean, there must be some real uh, incredible formulas in there, but they, they must put a lot of work in. And that might be a podcast in itself trying to unearth just exactly how big that team is. 
be great to get hold of anyone that was involved in that as well. Anyone you know involved in putting together these kind of things because they are they are fascinating. They're great entertainment and they've helped us, I think, here in the Highland bullpen to advance our knowledge of the incredible game that is baseball. And on that note, we will call it quits. That's the, the end of the bottom of the ninth innings here in this week's Highland Bullpen. Remember to say, subscribe, share, and follow us on social media. Don't worry, birthday boy Alan should have sobered up by next week and be back in the bullpen. So we'll all look forward to that. Until next week, have a great one. <laughs>